on. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome. Welcome back to the art and science of complex sales. I am Paul Fuller, and I am here with Mike Corey, who's a, a really great friend of mine and get the opportunity to work with him a fair bit and really pumped to have him on today. Mike is the founder and owner of Blue Salesfly. And Mike, it always goes better if you introduce yourself instead of <laughs> me introducing you. So do you mind taking a second? No, happy to, and uh, glad to be here. Nice to see you again. My name is Michael Corey, and I am the uh, founder and CEO of, of Blue Sales Fly, which is a uh, sales development company to uh, help elevate sales teams in the sales profession. Hey, what part of the world are you in, Mike? So everybody gets uh... Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Can you do me a favor? And uh, one of the things I like to start out with, and we like to start out with, is is really a two pronged question. So. Sales is not for everybody, and sales is not defined the same way by everybody. And mm -hmm. so I want to just understand from your perspective, define sales for me, and then tell me tell me how you got into this, this crazy profession. So my definition of sales is it's helping solve problems for your prospective clients that allow them to advance their business. It is the transfer of either skills, solutions, products from, from one party to another. But I view it as, as a form of problem solving, because ultimately, if I'm not going to add value or solve some sort of problem that's holding me back from where you want to go, you know, outside of maybe paying for lunch, there's no reason to have me around. I got into sales like most people, accidentally. The job I was supposed to have out of school vanished. They called me in uh, before I graduated and said, uh, by the way, that job that we offered you, we're rescinding because we're about to lay off 25% of our workforce. So I fell into sales like most people because uh, my original plan didn't work out. We're happy that you're here. Like, um, So tell me a little <laughs> yeah, bit about here. that. Yeah, tell me about that philosophy of sales as problem solving. So dive a little deeper into that, if you don't mind. So we've all seen the the progression. I mean, it it's in it's in the media, it's all over LinkedIn. It's all, all the companies are talking about it. There's more and more people want digital solutions. More and more people want to DIY their, their problems and solve their problems on on their own. And sales really progressed from kind of like a feature benefit approach to a solution approach to identifying pain, to identifying problems. And, and now I think it's really to the point where we have to, we have to take our clients beyond the obstacles. Uh, we have to help identify the obstacles that are holding them back. So whether it is a product or whether it is a solution, I think the, the orientation of the seller has to be one of of a guide of of a somebody that's going to help them identify and solve the problems that are holding them back. So I really see it as a there's a responsibility upon salespeople to elevate to a different you know to a different level so that they can help the clients solve problems because ultimately that's you know that's really what it's about. It's you're going to add value or you're going to you're going to solve a problem and you add value by one of those means. So this is a different situation than say, so you look at a lot of different sales methodologies and I'm not going to pick on anyone, but essentially when, if you tie sales methodologies that focus all about educating, you just need to educate, 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 uh, educate on a problem that you, you think the buyer may have, right? 
Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing you say is get into the buyer's shoes and understand the problem. And then, yeah. and only then can you educate and help solve. So how do you start to develop that relationship with a with a buyer that they let you do that? Like what what's your tips and tricks for that? It starts with credibility and it starts with I think part of what we need to do as far as product education, you know, most most companies would start with product education. We really have to start with buyer-centered education and understanding business problems that are that are plaguing them. You know, you as a as a company leader, if I showed up and you know, I wanted to engage with you for some reason, to give you some reason to talk to me. Uh, there's all the traditional means by which people do it. There's, there's people, you know, pumping all the stuff out there, but ultimately I should know something about your business. I should have an ability to give you a snippet into credibility and the reason why a short exploratory conversation would make sense. So that means I have to have some research available. I have to have a point of view. I have to have an idea of where I think some of the obstacles are, and I should be able to offer some value right out of the gate uh, in, in order for you to want to transfer your time. Because it's really interesting what happened with time, right? Time's always been really valuable, but what we learned through the pandemic is that, you know, increased by a factor of, you know, how many X. I was speaking to some people recently about, you know, practices with, your favorite restaurant. And, you know, I know for our family, when the pandemic first started, you know, we wanted to keep going to the restaurants just to have some semblance of normalcy. And then in Michigan, we got locked down, so we couldn't go to the restaurants. And so we wanted to then support them because we didn't want them to go out of business. So we started doing takeout. Well, now that the pandemic's over and we're not locked in anymore, we can go visit the restaurants. You know, what do you see your practice being? We found that when I observed it, we started still going to the restaurant and getting takeout because we really were valuing the experience in our own setting. We wanted to be able to control more, but we wanted to control, you know, who we were with and, and, and really curate and cultivate our experience. So think about how people's time value has changed coming out of the pandemic and what they're looking at in the future for you as a business leader to want to spend any time with me, I better bring something to the party that is either an idea or an inkling or credibility or some reason for you to say, yeah, I'm going to transfer X amount of my time for the potential to learn something in the future. So I think it changes the way we have to start equipping salespeople and it changes the way we need to engage with whatever our products or solutions are because our, our buyers are expecting more. So buyers expecting more. Um, this wasn't the area that I was I was thinking we were going to go today, but that's cool because we just get to walk together and figure out figure out the kind of the path. So how how do you dive quickly with somebody in a way that shows that value? Where and how do you do that? And then how do you continue that relationally with somebody? So in my business, it, it really ends up getting it, you know, it's going to be around lack of revenue growth lack of consistency in the revenue growth, high amounts of turnover in the sales team, or not able to retain clients. You know, Pick any one of those big four. Some level of frustration with lack of growth. And so my approach would be anything with, you know, recently speaking with a bunch of CEOs, I was invited to present to a group of 20 CEOs. And their concern was around, 
you know, how do we create some certainty in, in, in uncertain times? Or how do we reduce the high costs of turnover? Or how can I get more consistent growth? So, you know, my research has to be around ideas that I've seen or, or proven practices that I've seen. So if I was going to, you know, do outreach with you, it would be something along the lines of, you know, here's what a conversation with 20 CEOs uncovered. And, you know, there was concern in, in these three areas, you know, are any of those something that you're concerned about? We have to equip, I think we really have to move almost beyond problem identification or, or pressing on a pain to, do we have a map that allows them to see how we can transport them to someplace different? And, and that means, you know, studying our products or solutions or whatever we offer to understand the application in the client's business and understand how it helps them move to someplace different. Yeah. So what's your, yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. So what you're describing for, for me, I'm going to see if I can put some different words on it just because I, it helps me kind of think things through. So if I'm looking at a, for years, right, we've had this idea of a buyer persona or uh, ideal customer profile, right? That's nothing, that is nothing really new. And it's something that we've, a lot of com companies don't have that, right? They absolutely, um, they, they haven't taken the time to develop it. And that is an exercise they have to do. But what I'm hearing from you is that a salesperson, I, I did this exercise once, I called it from persona to person, right? Which is saying, okay, I have this ICP. I know that it's between uh, companies between five and 15 million. I know that it's got to be the CEO. I know where they are, where I can find them. I know their demographics their psychographics and, and all of those things. What I'm hearing you say is, is for a salesperson to be successful, they need to know that that's table stakes, but they have to move further down into, into the buyer journey and say, okay, what are not only potential problems that they're doing, but ways that ways that we can solve them together and do that at a, a point that's targeted enough that it brings about a, an attention in a lack of, in a world where we don't want to give that time, right? Time is extremely more valuable. Does that sum it up? I mean, yeah, does it sum up what you, you said effectively? Yeah, you nailed it. Because if you look at all of the research that, that's coming out about the buyer's journey further down the road before they're inviting us in, you know, there, it used to be that the salesperson was the one that was pointing at the needs. Now, the vast majority of buyers and decision makers are identifying need problems by themselves. They're, they're identifying the needs by themselves. Almost half of them are going to solution identification before they engage vendors. And this brings up a huge opportunity that has been missed for years, which is, you know, the idea of account management or, or, or account growth. Because our buyers are thinking through this stuff without us, you know, because we haven't, you know, done a good job over the years of giving them reason <laughs> to not to try to do it on yeah, themselves. Yeah. So, so your point, you're spot on. You've got to, we got to put ourselves in their shoes to be like, hey, they're they're probably already this far along with the surface level issues. But what are the what what are the ways that I could position myself with what I know or what my company does? or how we know outcomes happen that allows me to get to the front of the line. Yeah. You, and I happen to know that, you know, the group that you talk 
talked to the other day, but when you're t- saying, I I researched, I talked to 20 CEOs, you know, this is exactly what I heard. This is what I heard it. This is when I heard it. You know, all of those things are so important to be able to differentiate and uh, and drive value into this because that's value is always in the eye of the beholder, right? It's always in mm-hmm. the listener, right? You're not going to create value for them. I think that's I think that's ridiculous. They are going to perceive value that you can bring. So it's not just about the the work you put in to do it, but it's where you put in that work and how you put in that work to uncover the things that are truly, truly, truly not to gain interest from a marketing perspective, but to to truly help them elevate their business along the line and, and along the way. You have Absolutely. a process that you do this by, correct? And and that you recommend people recommend people kind of walk along during the buyer journey and and you have a name for that process and you you mentioned a little earlier but uh do you mind diving into that yeah i so one of the reasons i got so excited about membrane is throughout all my career you know i'd get i get good sales training i mean there's great sales methodology out there there's decent crms out there. there you know you mentioned icp there's some people that you know, know what it is, there's fewer people that do it. And then there's even fewer that then tie that to a sales process. Yep. What, what I wanted to do is take everything from ICP and, and I like the way you did it, you know, ICP to person and say, let's create a process and methodology to put it all together. The one I create is called guide because it's a sales process methodology built together. And it, it's a really easy to remember acronym g-u-i-d-e greet understand impact decision and elevate i stole that from membrane because i think that's really good <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is no and you know no business stuff there that, well and you know it's not it's like the really ohio good. state university we didn't trademark <laughs> the you know elevate yeah. works you know? <laughs> <laughs> well and, and it's you know what i i like to say Membrane does really good with the science. And, and what I think in sales, everybody always says, is it art or science? And what I'd like to say is that the science enables the art. Because if you have a process and a methodology and you have all that thought through, then that allows the conversation to take place. And really what we have to do is have conversation with people. No one wants to be tricked into things. No one wants to be you know, verbally jujitsu into something. What, what you want to do is greet them and understand them and find out what the impact is that they're dealing with and how they make decisions then elevate it and that is what i think has to take place in the way that we engage because you know the buyers are worn out and and all of the buyer surveys and and really in selling our job is to understand you know the buyer is thinking and all the buyer surveys we're falling down in how they perceive us. It, very interesting. One, one of the big things was about how, how they go about solving problems. Mm-hmm. 44% of the time, they will go to an existing vendor when they're trying to solve a new problem. If you're a new person trying to break a hold, there's only 20% of time or so that they would consider you relevant. In fact, most cold call vendors rank just above Google search in how they value that amount of information. So, you know, one of the uh, executives were were very interested in is what do we do with our existing clients? 
Think yeah. about, you know, what has been termed account management or strategic accounts or key accounts. That was always company selfish focused, you know, plug from Membrane. One of the ideas of using it at account growth is the really good game changer because I think the words matter and it, that harnesses what we should be doing as sales professionals is helping our clients grow. And that different orientation of how you engage them and how you bring useful information for them to grow their business is going to be the difference between success and failure. Because again, all the research shows they're they're wanting to self-perform more than rely on us. So that means we have to do a better job of giving them reasons why they would want to engage with, with sales professionals. Yeah, we talk about account. We want to, be, it's not we want to become, we have to act like team members, right? So instead Absolutely. of a, instead of a buyer-seller relationship, it 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 becomes a team relationship, uh, which is it's it's hard to develop, right? It's a two-way relationship that you got to work at, and you got to work at the exchange of value for that, for that two-way relationship to exist. You you talk about. One of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in, you had this, you had that uh, presentation in front of the CEOs. You mentioned account growth and account management and diving in there as one of the key things in retaining customers is that they're really focusing on. What are the type of things they're doing to focus on? Like, what are some of the challenges they're seeing in market with with that? And how are how are you helping address it? Well, I think the biggest challenge is, is that it's been unexplored. I'm sure anecdotally, there's there's a lot of companies out that have done some things, but really the orientation, I think it's, I think we are at the leading edge of where this change has to take place moving forward. So I, I think things like, you know, quarterly business reviews, which traditionally have been sit down and, you know, death PowerPoint, I think those have to turn into perhaps something like a governance meeting or a behavioral project review or uh, even a design thinking exercise where you co-create potential solutions with your clients based on what their business objectives are. All of the research about successful sales transformations had a consistent link of business outcomes tied to the sales objectives tied back to the daily sales activities. And all of those had to have consistent behavior and consistent endorsement from the C-suite all the way down. So it became very much about culture. So think about, you know, when we take a, a traditional point of view that we're going to sit down and we're going to do a quarterly review, which is basically us as the vendor company going, blah, here's everything we did. And, and most of that could be accomplished with a couple well-designed slides and, and a short read. Why are we wasting all that executive time with something that could be done in a short read instead of saying, here's a couple trends we see, you know, based on what you said your goals are for the organization. What if we explore a couple of these things and, and you, you co-create solutions with them? If they already want to DIY it, they still, if you're in there, they still have you in at least one of the first three places that they would go. Why are we wasting that valuable time? with a regurgitation of something that could be easily read. And, and if it can't be easily read, you know, then we have to fix that. But 
that valuable executive time should be aligned around how do we help them continue to advance in whatever ways you know they have set the organizational goals for their company yeah no i at membrane we call that the uh the other side of the window right so it's not just i think it's table stakes these days to be uh, i'm just speaking from from where we sit right it's tables it's table stakes to be a crm vendor that has feature functionality right and i was talking to somebody the other day and they they had a good quote that was like yesterday's table stakes uh or, or yesterday's innovations are today's table stakes right mm -hmm. so most of the innovation is around that and and we're finding it going to and starting to be really effective with is is this idea of sales effectiveness right so instead of and sales effectiveness is not more tech stack necessarily it just isn't mm -hmm. Right, you can add more tech stack. You can be great with tech stack. You could you could uh, optimize your tech stack, but if you're not bringing if you're not bringing the knowledge uh, of that person's business as well as the knowledge of of how you can modify what you do to be able to enable them to perform more effectively, you're getting your your ass kicked. Right? It's it's just about because you're not bringing you're bringing table stakes value. You're not bringing innovation. Right. So I love some of those terms you used. What what was the term that you used that you said co-create value? Sorry, I'm calling on your short-term memory, but uh oh, what, well, what and, are the and, names uh, that you what are the names that you you uh talked about with those account growth? Well, the other one was some sort of governance around behaviors in the project. So that you're actually looking at behaviors. Mm -hmm. So let, let's say we're doing some sort of transformation. And this this came specifically from one of the other uh consultants that I work with. He's a CEO. And the idea was when the project implementation is going on, we're not going to have just updates about the project. We're going to have updates about the behaviors around the governance that the CEO has established. So, you know, so frequently what we do is we focus back on the stuff instead mm -hmm. of focusing on who's doing what and, and what are the outcomes of the activities of the behaviors that we're doing, which oddly enough, goes all the way back around to you know in sales training you anybody can learn to do it if they want to but it really is will you do the daily work on the activities that you need to change and will somebody hold you accountable and teach you where you're falling short and is there a system with which you can put it in which you know this is comes all the way back i don't want to you know sound like a complete fanboy from membrane but i am the fact that you have a tool and this is where it goes beyond table stakes because there's you know membranes a tool that you can co-create internally things that will be client facing that that keep everybody accountable because ultimately it comes down to behaviors and activities aligned to the outcome yes. so when we're co-creating something with them you know we should use you know their terms and we should tie it to the outcomes they want to have and then build the objectives and the activities back that will get them to that goal. And, you know, most of the systems don't have an ability to do that. So then how do you keep track of all that? It's it's traditionally like what happened in you're my boss. You would call me on Friday afternoon and say, hey, plan it for next year. So I need you to write a Word doc on what your business plan is and then put it into a PowerPoint presentation on um, what you plan to present to leadership. And I'll send you a spreadsheet with your goals for the year and then you fill that out and tell me how to do it and then you know i go to columbus and we have our regional meeting and i do all that stuff and then it goes nowhere 
It's not put in, it's not in a CRM. It's not in a system. I don't have daily activities. I don't know where I'm falling short. You know, I don't have someone coaching me on where I need to go. Our clients need the same level of assistance with whatever products or projects or solutions we're taking to them as what we need internally to understand what we need to grow the business. And if you don't have a means to wrap it all in a system so that you can measure the process and, you know, on a simple basis, look at it and go, Hey, Mike, are you following it or not? And if you're not following it is because you don't understand or you're not following it because you don't want to two different conversations as a leader I need to have. Do I need to help you understand it? Do I need to help you find something else to do? Yeah. Well, in, in complex sales, is an interesting thing. Like, just so everybody on here, Mike was not asked to be a fanboy of membrane. Uh, he was not asked to, to do anything there. He's just, uh, but, I just am. Yeah. We just worked. Um, but no, in complex sales, a couple of things you said that it's similar across every, every complex sales and every implementation of, I can't say every, that's that's a definitive statement. I can say most, right? Most products that are sold via a complex sale, you have to, with that client, right? And we're talking about account growth. You have to, with that client, set the expectation. I love how you stated that. Not of what you're going to do, but what's the, what's the specific outcome? You should be, you know, what is the outcome of how we're going to help you? What is that expected outcome supposed to look like? Instead of saying, you know, to truly drive that partner relationship, right? If you want to be the table stakes, you can say, okay, I'll, I'll implement this for you. We got you. But I like that. What, what are the actual behaviors we're trying to change? How are you going to measure those behaviors that we're trying to change? And what does success look like? And, and sometimes those are used a lot in the sales process, but they get forgotten completely once we get to the, the, the customer side and when we're looking to grow accounts and our our customers are our gold right they are the, the thing that keep right much as we want to think they are the thing that keep the organization alive right how we how we codify that and build that into our our repertoire of what we do as an organization and i'm saying we in the royal we sense of everybody listening to this podcast not in terms of mike and i but how we codify that into our is just absolutely freaking critical i mean it's yeah it is it's how it's the difference between death and growth in in a right. in a tight time i agree you know it's a small thing but one of the words i'm trying to unlearn is close you know okay why in sales over all these years have we put something as definitive as hey i ah. closed them you know when at the time if you've decided to hire me it's now I have to take you, we have to go from where we are to someplace new, hopefully someplace better. Yeah. It's a silly thing. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's semantics, but maybe it's not that silly, you know, because we don't close the client. It should be, Hey, we've agreed to do business. And now we're going to go, we're going to go somewhere else. Elevate just happens to work really well, I think, because the client should be elevated. They should be transformed. They're, there should be some element of their business that is better off because we decided to do something together. And you know what's interesting? I'm, I'm interrupting you because that's just what I do. Uh, <laughs> I just had a thought. I, I need to be interrupted. Or yeah, no, no, man. Uh, <laughs> no, what's really interesting is you get into like some highly service-oriented industries and close is not in there open a client or open a folder is though like banking they're mm-hmm. opening an account there's just 
And I think that's much more just that, that term you came up with, you're trying to unlearn that. I mean, think of, we are truly opening, right? Uh, because that's when you truly try and, I mean, in any differentiated service, that's when you truly start the work, right? Yeah. And start the work in terms of multiplying revenue. So how do we, how do you open more accounts? Right. And and the research would say as a profession, we need to do something different because despite all the tech stacks, despite all the proliferation of expenditure and technology, sales reps are still only 47% of them are hitting their goal. Clients are engaging us later in the decision process. The millennial generation and, and even you know all generations more would prefer to have a digital solution than a human solution. Oddly enough, of those people choosing the digital solution, 25% of them, almost a quarter of them are still dissatisfied with the outcome, which, you know, another big problem that came out of, out of the research recently is that our clients are not good. And this is, this was CEOs ranking themselves and their organizations, 85% of them felt they were not good at identifying the right problem to solve. So again, back to the way we need to change how we are training on product and how we're training on engaging the clients. It really is about helping them uncover those problems that are going to help impact their business the most. It can't be me angling on how I could try to fit sales training into some pain that the client's having. It has to be, do they need to improve some level of their client interaction? Uh, is there something limiting them based on the way their sales force is going to market? And if there is, then can I help them identify what that is? And I, my questioning has to be around what is the issue? What is the obstacle? What is the unseen force acting on them that they don't know is there. Because if I just use, you know, tricks to uncover something and then, you know, try to slide my service in there, then I'm not going to ultimately solve the problem and then they won't be happy. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see if I can recap our conversation in about in about 30 seconds, because I, I, I love the trajectory that we've gone on. And I think we've gone from that beginning, right? How do we differentiate ourselves at the beginning in terms of even just somebody opening a door to us. And it's gone from, you know, generalized, we can have generalized problems and and speak to those generalized problems down to really getting highly specific. We're taking that that ideal customer profile down to an actual person, right? And and mm-hmm. how we develop that that information around it is really, really important. So recently you did like uh, that survey of of twenty top CEOs right in your your ICP and got that feedback. So that's incredible to open the door. You've developed a process for that, and then even when we talk about opening an account, it becomes even even more important to then to sell and sell and resell value within the account, especially during these times. And having that process, and then being able to dive into that process and show that differentiated value, or as as you call it, really dive deep into the um, the issues that they're solving, have that benefit. I, I'm trying to sum it up for the people. What was that? Uh, the it wasn't the benefit analysis, but it was the uh, it was essentially the audit, the work audit of we're changing behaviors, right? We're right. changing behaviors. Oh, yeah, the governance. Look at governance. Governance. Yeah, have governance meetings about the behaviors 
you yes. know, who's who's doing what and and are we still on track to get to where the company leader wanted them to go where we wanted to go absolutely so and and that is has to be differentiating it's got to be it's got to be driving you forward and doing it continuously not a one-time thing because our yeah. customer so thanks man we went all over the place and uh <laughs> i could talk with you for a thank couple you hours. yeah um well and we, it's exciting you know i mean yeah. the market when you the reason I get so passionate about this is when you start researching and you you see what what we're reaping what we've sown to the the decision maker community. You know they they didn't get here all on their own. It, we caused it. And so going back to the idea that we're problem solvers, okay. So now that we did this, how do we how do we make ourselves relevant and useful moving forward? And, and you know. That's really where it kind of circles all the way back around. We have an opportunity, an obligation, because you know the easy problems have been solved, <laughs> and most of the, you know, we're left with the sticky ones, uh, or you know, or we're left with you know using false insights that that create more problems. But at the at the crux to be useful and valuable moving forward, we have to find a way to help our clients solve those issues that they may not be able to see on their own. Mike, how do people get uh, how do people get in touch with you? Thank you. Uh, you can go to bluesalesfly.com, my website. I'm all over LinkedIn. You can find me there, or you can just send me an email to Mike at bluesalesfly.com. Blue Salesfly. Now I'm I'm gonna attempt going down another complete rat hole, but uh, Blue Salesfly. Why the name? Uh, I married three of of my passions into the name. So the blue comes from sky thinking, you know, or blue ocean thinking. Try to find creative ways to grow your business, not necessarily where you know, where everybody else is at. So that was the blue. Sales, because I love sales and growth. And the fly came out of fly fishing. There's a lot of analogies I use. You know, the guide selling system comes out of the idea of a guide, a fly fishing guide or any sort of guide. My belief is that to, to move from one place to the next, you need a guide with a map. So the guide's got to have my best interest in, in mind. What sort of experience do I want to have to transport me from where I am to where I want to go? And then have a map, you know, know how to get there. Or even more important now, create that map so that it's a cultivated experience to transport the, uh, the person or the, the company, in our case, where they want to go. So that's just kind of blended those things together. That is awesome. We got to we got to have the next one somewhere up in Michigan uh, with with fly rods in the hand and uh, That'd be fabulous. You could be yeah, where, where are you long johns because the river's really cold right now. But uh well, yeah, I'm not saying our fabulous. next one's going to be in like no, <laughs> I am thinking more that more like the summertime. Come on, man. Yeah, for the smallmouth. We can do it in yeah. shorts and bare feet. Okay. There you go. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, all right, man. It's, it has been an honor and a pleasure as always. Pleasure. Thank you and, very uh, much. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining the art and science of complex sales. Everybody, thank you for, for being here. Love having you. And uh, with that, we're signing off. Bye. Thank you.